My name is Jarlath Regan and you are very welcome to the first in a new series of podcasts about the Irish people that power the business of travel. The Flying Irishman is what I call it and I guess it begins with this feeling. As far back as I can remember I've always been fascinated with travelling and specifically the airport and I was never really sure why but having spoken to some of the biggest Irish players and characters in the business of aviation I'm beginning to understand that this feeling I had as a kid when it came to planes, airports and kind of the sheer energy around travel is something that a lot of people share. And in the case of the people I meet across this series, it's the seed from which their passion and success in business grows. I wanted to make a series that allowed their stories to be told and with the help of my first guest, we have done just that. Over the last 30 years, Deck Ryan has been involved with creating multiple low-cost airlines around the world, from Ryanair to Viva Aerobus, Tiger Airways in Singapore, Allegiant Air in the US, to name just a few. His instinct and ability in both investment and business management are beyond doubt, and yet he is rarely interviewed. You won't hear too many public statements from him or any kind of exhibitions of wealth. He's just not in the papers. He's just a temporary man who prefers to keep the head down, stay in the background and get on with what needs to get done. In many ways, he exemplifies that quiet dominance of the aviation industry that the Irish have. It doesn't stop at CEOs of the major airlines, even though you can name a few of those. It extends to central control of the industry, governing bodies, regulators, ground staff, manufacturing and the airports themselves. The Irish own respect in the business of flying the same way they do in the business of bloodstock. Yet, it's never really spoken about in the press, partially because all of them are just too busy making that success happen. You can imagine how excited I was when Deck Ryan agreed to talk to me for this chat back in 2019 and to create this show. He's helping me bring together the biggest names in the business to understand how exactly how they've soared to the heights they have. No pun intended there, pun very much enjoyed. It's episode one of our brand new series, Flying Irishman. I'm not 100% sure, uh, Charlotte, why um, we're speaking today. The joke is I have this Howard Hughes type of... uh, character uh, i will say without the vegas scenes at the end of it because <laughs> howard didn't end very uh, no. well but to be serious about it i started off thinking and i think it's an irish thing not to get too big in my uh in my own shoes you know or drinking my bath water or whatever the yeah. right phrase is and so on so it's not about me kind of thing yeah and i had a very powerful and well-known pop and then all of a sudden, I know this sounds like it happened overnight. I had four kids and I never wanted to call Ryanair Ryanair. Mm. And that kind of describes me a bit. But when my kids came around, the last thing I wanted was for them to be identified through the airline. I tell the story about one of the kids and we're in a bar together and a girl comes up to him and says to him, and I'm there with him. We're having a beer together. And the girl says to him, this is recent. Are you one of the Ryans or Ryanair? And he goes, I wish. And she heads off. Like, <laughs> and I just love that. And, you know, yeah. none of them are in the business. And uh, 
they're better people for that. And you know, third generation be hard. Do you think that they're oh, better I, people for it? Oh, they're ten times better. They're, they're better people than I am. But like, I mean that genuinely. Like, you know, one's an actor, one's in property, uh, one and two are in college. And I have no doubt that uh, finding their own way is better in life. And um, let's face it, you know, there's 300, 400 airplanes running around Europe with your surname on the side. You could become a right prick, you know, so easily, yeah. easily. So, yeah. so, you know, there's also another uh, story that my uh, middle guy, I have three boys and a girl, my middle boy, Owen, uh, who's the actor, Googled me once and I was number three in the list, right? And there was a temporary manager, a very famous guy called Declan Ryan, and there was a, a baker down in Cork. Mm -hmm. And Owen shouts from his computer, said, Jesus, Dad, you better get your act together and so on. <laughs> You know what? It's just a it's a personal choice. Mm -hmm. um, in Thurless, once a Ryan, once a Rogue, I kind of like that. And um, without going into other business people, or we have a huge amount of egos and celebrities in the world and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. just, do I, we need one more? Oh, Jesus, we don't. <laughs> you know, no, we certainly don't. Um, Part of it must go back to the very beginning with you and obviously how you were raised your yeah. your story of how uh you went abroad yeah. and you became an yeah. irishman abroad yeah, 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 yeah. is pretty much uh like so many of that yeah. generation who left secondary school or left yeah left secondary school yeah. and very much felt yeah. like there's nothing here for us yeah well well part of it is my pop worked in Aer Lingus for uh, 17 years and we just yeah as you do uh, follow them around the world so we we, we uh lived in the States, where I get a bit of the twang from. We had a great time, but, you know, we weren't ever above our station. Mm. Uh, what part of America was it? Uh, we were in the, uh, uh, Tony was a duty manager, both in Chicago and in New York. Okay, so yeah, yeah, big yeah. cities. Yeah, yeah, big yeah, cities. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, we were in suburbia, uh, okay. to be fair, and so on. But, um, and, you know, like our neighborhood in uh, Long Island was like, you know, um, 400 different nationalities, you know, mm. Greeks and Germans and Paddies and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and then we went to Thailand for a couple of years and uh, I was shipped home to boarding school, <laughs> literally shipped home because <laughs> there was no direct flights then. But um, and what school did you go to? Uh, we went I went to a boarding school in uh, Kildare called Congos. Yeah. Um, and uh, fucking hated it. And, you know, one moment, uh, Charlotte, I was in t-shirts and flip-flops swimming in Thailand and the next day I'm down in Klein and I'm going what the fuck did I do wrong you know <laughs> having I, I, rugby listen, balls I, fired at you yeah yeah and I wasn't into rugby and all by the way uh, I played subsequently but you know a very different environment and but listen you know what what were my what was the folks doing they were trying to get the best education possibly mm -hmm. for so it's a real kind of Irish story, you know, the, the, the parents did very well. My, my, uh, obviously Tony was very successful, but he, he, his success didn't hit him until the mid forties. Okay. So it meant I was in my teens, which is great because he, in some ways, I think it's harder if you grew up with it all the time, you know. Sure, uh, you know no different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he moved to Tipperary then. And I'm like, I went, fuck, like, excuse my friends. Like, I went from Bangkok to Dollar and down in Tipperary. Like, you know, uh, come on, you're really challenging me now. So, that was the kind of upbringing we had and, you know, uh, r really delighted that they, you know, really made a big effort with my education and, and, and it's uh, stood to me and so on. 
but we, we were we were like it's it's kind of interesting i hadn't thought of this uh before uh, we were talking but um we were Aer Lingus representatives abroad and when paddy's day was on like you got into your good clothes you know i had an older brother and we both had to wear the bloody same clothes <laughs> and uh, my younger brother came uh, afterwards and you were representing ireland you know because mm-hmm. you know erlingus in east coast was big and uh, there was always paddy's day party at home and you know you, you know when your mom gets ready for a party and the tension in the house you know and you'd be going like jesus you'd be ducking right because <laughs> because you'd be touching some of the food or something like this right and uh, then you know the sweetness of a woman arrived because she opens the front door to one of her friends and you're going jesus she was a dragon for the last half an hour <laughs> but but we had that every year you know and uh, no different than any other irish family but uh uh, you know, we, we were representing Ireland and, uh, you know, you behaved yourself. You know? So that's a memory, yeah. that feeling of, I guess there not being that many Irish over there to yeah. start with. Yeah, yeah. That, that makes you an ambassador right Certainly away. Certainly in Thailand there wasn't many. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But coming back to, to Clongos, yeah. and you're not the first ex-student to tell me they didn't enjoy it. Yeah. Not that it's a bad school. There's no, no. Gordon Darcy on yeah. here told yeah. us he was the greatest time of his life. Yeah, yeah. But he was good at rugby. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, there's the difference. <laughs> Big but, difference. But I, uh, I'm not trying to put you on the couch, no, no, no. but I am trying to get to uh, something happens along the way there uh, in that education that you credit for mm. making you the man that you are. Yeah. That instills in you a shrewdness and yeah. understanding of business yeah. and an acumen or certainly... An instinct. A pal of mine's a professor in economics in uh, one of the universities here. I won't say which one because I don't want to get him in trouble. But uh, he says he learned everything outside of economics, outside of the lecture hall in the college. He learned how to meet girls. He meant how to socialize, how to uh, cook, how to defend himself, what gossip is important. You know, life skills that you, we, we forget we learn at school and, and college and so on. And so I, I learned all those. It wasn't very uh, great academically, but, you know, listen, uh, when you arrive in from Thailand and uh, yeah, you walk up to a guy from Guidor who's in straight A's, you know, it, it was graded uh, academically. Course, yeah. And I was in all passes and he was in all A's. And, like, I couldn't understand him because he was fucking from Donegal. But, like, you know, you're looking at yourself and you're going, like, what the hell? Like, you know, he's... Speaking in Irish and singing, uh, uh, I don't know. Shannos. No, some Nordy uh, <laughs> Fenian songs, you know, and you're kind of saying to yourself, what happened? But you learn. Yeah. And it, boarding school, you learn very quickly. And I, I, I learned very quickly how to survive. Uh, right. So, so that's what I got from education. Um, how to survive and how to adjust. How to adjust, yeah. And, and, um, I, I think, you know, um, three of my closest pals, and I'm lucky to have them, uh, don't tell them that, but I'm lucky to have them, all was from meeting them down there, and I've known them since 11. They're the biggest pain in the ass, but like, you know, Jesus, do I get uh, ridiculed and slagged and so on. So you meet fantastic people as well, and, uh, you know, they're all from different parts of the country, and... So yeah. how bleak was it that you had to go to the States then? If, if you know, uh, you'd established the States wasn't from... bleak. And listen, you know, I was in, you know, single figures. You know, the, the, you just, you just, you know, it's a bit like camel across the desert. You just follow the camel, you know, a bit like that, right? 
And um, I had an older brother, uh, and uh, unfortunately he's not around anymore, and, and I adored him. So it was easy to follow the camel because there was another guy in front of you. Right. But Same it, university? No, he didn't go to university. He became a captain in uh, Ryanair. And okay. uh, the nickname for him was Captain Gucci. But uh, So when that, you say follow the camel... Uh, you, no, no, no. I, I meant like across the desert. Like you, you just... You just, when you're a kid, you just follow the tribe. You know, it, it wasn't... But you didn't, you headed back to America. That's not really following anybody if you, you headed off to university on your own over there. No, I, I did university here and then I uh, worked in the States. I see. And, and, and okay. showing my age, uh, Charlotte, um, there was no jobs in the middle 80s. And I just had to beg for a bit of help. <laughs> so no, when you say no jobs, what there was does 42 that qualified like? in my uh, class in UCD in the mid 80s and two stayed behind and they were both girls in relationships and that, that's something wrong with relationships yeah. or girls but but th that was the reasoning the, the rest fact. of us the rest of us hit the road yeah london mm -hmm. or new york or and that was the expectation it was the acceptance yeah yeah mm -hmm. and yeah yeah expectations probably yeah yeah you know like i did a kind of this career guidance thing up in ucd and they sent me to do an interview for you love this um rat down county council and they said they assessed my skill sets and they said i should be a deputy supervisor for milk distribution to the schools <laughs> that was a shock to the system you know like you know with all due respect i was a bit better than deputy uh so you know um you're just getting jobs here in ireland were just impossible yeah, yeah. Um, so how long are you over there when the call comes uh, about a year uh, right. i was hoping to be there a couple of years about a year and to, again, to show my age, it was a telex from uh, my pop to say, get your ass home. Ryanair had just got the London, uh, sorry, you're going to love this, being a, a man living in the UK. We got the uh, Dublin Luton license, Luton. Yeah. of which we call London Luton. Uh, so that's how, that's how it started. And uh, so you know, I didn't know where it was going to go. And So was that te telex a demand or a would you like? It was more of a demand, but it was a nice demand because mm -hmm. he saw an opportunity for his yeah. family. And, right. You know, um, he was incredibly proud Irishman and so on. I just think he was nuts because he had this very successful leasing company who make money out of airlines. And then he decided to set up an airline, you know. Mm. And if you look at the pyramid of economics, the last people who make money in the aviation are the airlines. And it's, it's, it's all the suppliers who make the money in the airlines. You're now going into the position that, you know, many people who've come on the show and talk about the nightmare of working for their family. Yeah. Talk to me a little bit about your memories of that and whether, you know, I had to be tricky enough. Oh, it was very tricky. And uh, we used to have these uh, Saturday morning meetings, 8.30. And uh, the last thing you would talk about was cash. And this is myself and uh, Michael O'Leary. And we'd be shitting ourselves, you know, uh, arriving down in Tipperary and... Uh, uh, afraid of what, exactly? Oh, afraid of uh, Tony and uh, Tilly the Hun. Um, the hairdryer. Oh, I don't know if there's a thing bigger than a hairdryer. Like, um, I remember we used to take turns who would go arrive in first. Genuinely, right? And, uh, you know, I was late and uh, I got the corner of my eye and I saw Michael's mixed car uh, in a lay-by outside Tunavara. And I went, oh, you little bastard. <laughs> but I, I kept going, right? Thinking, you know, I'm going to be big above this and so on. 
and uh, I get down to uh, the meeting and at the back of Tony's place he had just built a kind of like a, a water fountain and like you, you're not saying like uh, good morning dad or lovely day and all this and uh, I said Jesus I'm not going to talk about cash I'm not going to talk about cash because we always need cash and I said oh uh, that's a new fountain what's it for he said it's for holy water because you bastards are going to need it <laughs> holy <laughs> shit so so that that, that uh, that's an indication uh, listen it, it yeah. was a, it was a live MBA <laughs> it was great in hindsight but when you're 22 23 years of age you know you can go one or two ways there right yeah yeah, yeah. in terms of your own approach to yeah. leadership and management mm. when you're a, bear the brunt of it yeah you either think well look brian clough is how yeah. managers should be <laughs> yeah yeah or you think Martin O'Neill, I'll never be like that. I'll have a much more. Yeah, I, I'm approach. actually delighted you raised that point because I'm a huge Brian Clough fan. And uh, one of the best books ever about him was uh, Promise You Won't Kiss Me. And it was uh, written by the guy uh, who followed him, equivalent of the Evening Herald, but it was the Nottingham Evening Post. I'll get you the book. And Clough was just absolutely amazing manager. And uh, I love, uh, and maybe, yeah, Tony and Clough are very like, I love that. One one of the things uh, Clough did is uh, Roy Keane's uh, debut, I believe, was against Liverpool, and they won one nil. And Clough, you know, can you imagine coming from Cove, beating uh, Liverpool away, and just as he was getting into the bus, Clough throws him his boots and tells him he can clean those on the way back. You know, so it's old school, but uh, it's efficient and. Uh, I'm not saying uh, all the stuff Tony did was right, but I think, you know, the world's gone so effing PC, you know, like I'm a big soccer fan, I think similar to yourself. And, you know, I hear things like, uh, you know, Alan Shearer, I'm a Newcastle fan, uh, Alan Shearer saying, you know, you just can't treat the players like that anymore. Come on, these guys are on half a million a week, you know, like, <laughs> you know, they're men, you know, um, so what am I to take from that? What am I to take from that in terms of your own management? Like, I, I do take on board the point that you're saying, because I, I'm, a, I'm a Liverpool fan, and we've seen players... We're, we're playing each other tomorrow. <laughs> exactly. And, yeah. we, and we both know the players that have raised issue with, uh, you know, Mourinho at United was the issue, where it was said, you can't speak like that to me in front of the other players. Yeah, yeah. Here's a great example, I would say, and we'll debate this hopefully another time over a beer. Pogba. Like Pogba, and by the way, I don't know the man from Adam. Uh, he plays out of his skin for France, and then he comes home and plays for his club and sulks, right? Uh, my, mm -hmm. my impression yeah. is he certainly doesn't play as well as he does, yeah. right? And I'm going, you're a professional. Like, you know, uh, my kids laugh. I'm a huge Rolling Stones fan. They, and I went to see them recently, uh, very recently in the last two or three weeks. They play like they play their first night. It's probably a bit like the way you perform. People have paid money for me and I'm going to. Mm -hmm. So, you know, listen, we're going back to Tony's uh, management style and so on. There's no rights or wrongs. You know, um, you know, Brian Cody would be in that school of mm -hmm. Liam Sheehy. Uh, glad to say the tip won this year. Uh, he doesn't have that management style. But, you know, um, you know, uh, Michael, uh, who runs Ryanair, would have that. Uh, style. Uh, so I, I, I'm not saying I, I know what's right or wrong. I just know that it's a bit like becoming a chef. Like mm. all the chefs in the world, by and large, go through a pretty horrible 
yeah. apprentice. And they believe, you know, particularly the French, you know, believe that you have to go through that system to be good, you know. Three industries that we've mentioned yeah. are extremely high stress. Yeah. Margin for error, so minimal. It is yeah. about marginal gains. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess they do lend themselves to a hard man looking for hard employees. Mm. You know, it doesn't leave much room for nuance. Mm. I, I, I get the impression from having the meetings mm. we've had, yeah. though, that that facility was there for you. But that it that like you have an ability to get around people because your negotiation skills are essentially the center of the success. Yeah, Would I you think, agree? I with think that? Churchill. Uh, yeah, I'm not sh- too sure, and I'm not avoiding the question. Like Churchill said, you know, if you want to keep your sanity, don't do what your pop did. You know, and so it, it explains my insanity because I went into aviation, a different sector of it, and so on. I'm very different than the guy, you know, uh, he was my hero and uh, he was a very close friend and we had great crack. But, you know, I think I think I took a turning. I remember having a big bollocking session with him one day and I just said, he's not winning. I'm not winning. I'm going to let him just, you know, I I think it gets to a stage with your folks, even though you work with them and sometimes it's kind of go just let them win you know you know mm-hmm. it doesn't matter you know uh, and maybe that's me being a little bit more soft and so on but i think there's a lot in it yeah yeah <laughs> no, 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 there is a lot like it's kind of funny um a couple of years before he passed away he said uh, i said to him what we'd like for christmas and he said i'd like you to say yes to one thing next year you know <laughs> but 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 what he what he knew was i had his back and all that kind of stuff. it's management styles and look at here's a great example look at klopp in uh liverpool uh, I, I doubt Tony would have agreed with his management style. Mm. And uh, I remember once we were watching TV and Geldof and Bono were uh, objecting, uh, protesting outside the G8 in uh, Scotland at the time. And Tony comes in and goes, oh, yeah, typical fucking hippies, da, 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 da. And I said to him, I don't see fucking any Germans protesting out the gate. You know, I don't see any. So if you stand up to people and Tony goes, you're actually right. You know, there's no French out there and he didn't like the style of the guys mm. and you know, long hair and, you know, but so, listen, it's just management styles. And Well, the reason I think why I go down the path of yeah. it is because of how we came into contact yeah. was the the idea that you came to me with that yeah. the Irish yeah. have such a big part to play in aviation yeah. in the world yeah. and aviation history. Yeah, for sure. What is it about the Irish and their ability to do well in this industry yeah. in, the, in the same way that I ask my brother about horse racing all yeah. the time. Like, yeah. why, why are the Irish the kings of this? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I think uh, horse racing is an easier answer because I just think we're naturally good with animals. You know, and, uh, um, I was in Lexington years ago and, the, and your brother would probably tell you this. The industry has about 100,000 people in horses. Half of them are Mexican, half of them are Irish. But because we're really good at managing mm. animals, you know, aviation totally different kettle of fish. And Tony was a part of that. Uh, Michael's a part of that. Uh, Erlingus is a part of that. Um, there's loads of examples. You know, Willie's running uh, British Airways and the IAG group. Uh, one of my heroes, Alan Joyce, is running Qantas. An incredible guy. We punch above our weight. You know, I, I listen. I think we punch above our weight in a couple of industries like food. Like, you know, Kerry is number two in the world of food ingredients. 
out of a co-op down in Kerry. I'm not slagging Kerry. I'm just saying, yeah, isn't madness. that amazing what Dennis Brosnan yeah. did and so on? So we're really good at aviation. Um, well, and you can't put your finger on what it is. I'm, there's a couple of factors. Aer Lingus certainly helped uh, the process. Uh, Ryanair certainly subsequently helped the process. We're an island, so we had to be good at it. <laughs> yes, <laughs> really, the only way out here. No, like, you know, you're going to interview, hopefully, Margaret from Foynes. The story of Foynes is just amazing. And, um, you know, uh, you're going to get hopefully some juicy stories out of her about, you know, during the World Wars. And uh, uh, I think there was a, uh, 13 air traffic, air traffic controllers uh, down in uh, Foynes. And when you think about that, 13, you know, they didn't need 13. Two of them were Irish, the rest were British. So you, you know what was going on there. They were passing messages and everything mm. with regard to the, the war process and so on. So it's a huge history of uh, Babcock and Brown landing in uh, Galway. Mm. I just think, you know, the Singaporeans are good for things because they're an island. I think we're good at aviation, partly because we're an island and partly, I think, the Irish character. Like, we're good at mixing. And uh, I remember hearing a, a lecture a couple of years ago that the best people in the world at uh, being immigrants are the Indians, the Asian Indians, you know, because they, um, uh, with, with all the diaspora, that, that, that was the discussion. How, who's the best at diaspora? And the Indians are because they take care of each other. They go to, let's say, New Jersey and they hang out with each other and they take care of each other and so on. I think the Irish are number three. But the reason we're number three and not number one is because we go to the bars. Right. <laughs> right. True, true and, and, and the Indians go off to study and get the PhDs and we're still in the bar. But the counter of that is look how many Irish bars there is in the world. And uh, I remember when we did Tiger Airways. Uh, one of the jokes we used to have with the Singaporeans, who are amazing people, was how many people live in Ireland. They all said about 40 million. You know, so we're really good at mixing, and that helps in aviation. And, you know, it's a global industry. And uh, so th there's a load of factors. I, I, and the reason uh, behind uh, getting together with you and meeting you and uh, enjoying the whole process as well is we just don't talk about our success enough. Mm. And it's kind of not my character type. Yeah, and that's but, why I'm so happy you're doing it. Yeah, yeah. And, and uh, I remember somebody like, you know, what is it? 50% of all airplanes leased around the world come through Dublin, which is mm. amazing. You know, I, th I think the number is about four or 5,000 airplanes uh, are managed through Dublin every year, right? Through Ireland every year, which is just colossal. And uh, I remember asking somebody, a friend of mine who's in the leasing industry, I said, why don't we talk about ourselves more enough and you know the gordon gecko answer came out like we're too busy too busy you know, yeah give me a break you know when, when, well i i gave it some thought yeah. right when you never ask the question without an idea of what the answer you're expecting yeah. is going to be keep an open mind and you open your ears to what you're hearing yeah. but the thing that i was expecting you to say was vision because the vision and the creation that is you know your starting point with yeah. ryanair you know, you can say Southwest Airways, but very much this was a unique yeah. creation. And between the three of you, yeah. you had it. Yeah. Did you discuss the vision? Did the vision come up a lot? Or was it just an organic thing that you knew roughly the direction that you were pointed? Vision is form? a word that wouldn't have come to, uh, I think, any of ours. Uh, like I think Mick would be the same. And uh, Tony, of course, would have said he had vision because he... he uh, was very posh and well, more well-educated well than we were and all that kind of stuff, more uh, uh, articulate. 
to be quite frank about it, we were trying just to survive. And survive. you know what we did at the beginning is we tried to become a me too to Aer Lingus and British Midland and uh, British Airways. When did you realize that that wasn't who you were? Genuinely, about three or four years into it, <laughs> you know, uh, it, it'd be a bit like, you know, I love the guys in Supermax, the way they, you know, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we were trying to do a Super Mac and we weren't super, uh, you know, uh, we were just the Mac. And, uh, you know, it, it was it was desperation out of running out of money and also uh, Tony and Michael's uh, and it was vision to do uh, what Herb Kelleher did in Southwest and so on. And listen, we have done stores. Let's let's get some things into perspective. We're an island, right? Four million people, size of Kentucky, size of, you've heard it all before. Like, you know, Dunn's was a replica of uh, Marks and Spencer's. There's nothing wrong with that. And we were a replica of Southwest because we ran out of money. Not the word vision, I can't even spell it. Like, you know, it, it just wasn't there. But it was out of need. And, and, right. and survival. So it was it was pure Darwinism. <laughs> yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Temporary Adapt, version of Darwinism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Adapt or die. Yeah, and, and by the way, uh, I'm very proud of it. I think Ryanair adapted better than Southwest. And, you know, uh, Europe is a very high cost environment and our costs are lower than Southwest. How troubling was it when it first starts to... You threw, you threw the three years, right? <laughs> the adaption becomes obvious and it starts to click a little bit. The losses start to lower. No, I, you, I think it, it took us 12 years to IPO. So I think the losses kind of increased and we tried to after, get... After the three, they went up further. Yeah, yeah. We had a lot of losses. And Aer Lingus tried to kill us. Like, you know, Aer Lingus actually ran out of money, which thank God. Trying but, to kill you. Yeah, trying to kill us, you know, and it's kind of a bit ironic. How, do, how would they do that? How would they go about? What well, was they the, had a committee of 10 people, seemingly, and uh, ah, they, they would do everything. Like if we had a delayed flight at the weekend and uh, we needed to put passengers on Aer Lingus, uh, they would ask for Michael's credit card or my credit card. You know, you know, stuff. Silly stuff. Dirty tricks. Yeah, Dirty yeah. tricks. And no better people. But than, you say it with a smile on your face like you don't mind. But I don't it must mind have hurt now. at the time. I don't mind now. Like, you know, look at Ryanair now. It's like, yeah. Uh, at know, the like, time, were you shaking your fist at the sky? Yeah. Yeah. I, I was also frustrated on the basis that I couldn't really work out why Tony was throwing money at it. Yeah. You know, like he was earning loads of money in leasing. And uh, he, you know, uh, I don't know. It's a bit like uh, being Guinness. And then all of a sudden... Uh, you make great margins selling Guinness, and then all of a sudden you, you decide to become a publican. Yeah. So I, I just didn't get that, you know. Uh, so you couldn't understand why this mattered why he was this doing much, it. right? Why he was doing it. And then I got, like, listen, I got, I was about to use the word ensnared into it. <laughs> I, I, I got, I got, I, you know, uh, pride kicked in, and I, I hate fucking losing, excuse my French. And he hated losing, and Mick hated losing, and we just wanted to succeed. But, you know, did we ever think, I will say to people, did we ever think GPA, which was kind of a bit like, you know, uh, CRH or Kerry Group now, did we ever think that would fail and Ryanair would succeed? Not in a million years. So, so when did the criticism start kicking in? Like, when do you remember Personal? people? <laughs> no, I mean, we're all dealing with that every day, <laughs> yeah. right? I, I was going to go, yeah, go yeah. back to under seven soccer. <laughs> yeah, 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 go on. 
But you know, it's nearly the like. The look, stage. I'm a comic. Yeah, yeah. I, I hear yeah. Ryanair jokes yeah, yeah. every single yeah, weekend. Yeah, 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 sure. Audiences are so. And some of them are hilarious. Yeah, and some of them, and some of them are just the hackiest. Yeah. It's 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 proof that you've entered the zeitgeist. Yeah. But you're. You're essentially trying to make air travel affordable yeah. for every single person. Yeah. People, anyone who takes a bus yeah. should be allowed yeah. and capable remember of taking Slattery's a flight. Remember Slattery's Travel? Are you too, uh, are you too uh, young for that? Do I remember? do, yeah. Slattery's Travel was a very successful tour operator out of Kerry when we started. I think their uh, fares uh, from Dublin to uh, London was, you know, the same as airfares, you know. And that yeah. Was like so you're essentially doing a good thing. But yeah. people are... St- are uh, when do you remember people first starting to go, oh, it, it's it's not special? Yeah, getting- we, we were rocking the establishment. You know, uh, Arthur Walls, who was our chairman years ago, uh, uh, once described um, taking on Aer Lingus as like a boxing match. And one of the uh, boxers is owned by the referee. You know, Aer Lingus used to be owned by the state. Yeah. Everybody loves Aer Lingus. You know, the Irish girls, the plumbossing they do. Surely, surely you're going to have another glass of wine, you know, on the flight. But, but it, it's all the Irishisms, right? You know, um, the Irish papers, the sausages, all that kind of stuff. So, you know, you're, you know, you're dealing with uh, an airline that's around, I don't know, I guess they're around now 70, 80 years. We, we, the joke at uh, Dublin Airport when we started was we used to employ the granddaughters of the Aer Lingus uh, girls. <laughs> but you were kind of taking on a, a cuddly brand. Right. And, you know, people kind of say, oh, I relax when I see the shamrock at uh, JFK. And you don't get that because you're in London and it's all different. And so, you know, I do we, hear it, though. I do yeah, hear yeah, it. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and listen, they're good at that. And Willie's done a great job since he's taken over them and so on. So you were taken on the establishment. We were cheeky. Yeah. That's uh, what I started to think there. Yeah, yeah. No, we're it started cheeky. to sound a bit like a punk. Like on their 50th birthday. And it was early on in our history. Yeah, so they must be around 80 years old. We uh, we did a full-page ad and we a big birthday cake, but we cut half the cake out. Like, you know, that's really naughty. Like, you know, <laughs> you, know the, you don't have as much as the cake anymore. So, so listen, you know, we, we were like um, a pile of male Jack Russells, you know? Yeah, well, you, you know, you, you did, uh, for the benefit of the listeners at home, you did flip the bird there as you were describing the cake. Yeah, yeah. There is a certain punk element to it mm. do you did you draw inspiration from things like that and the idea that that's the establishment and we're uh, not showing up to work in leather jackets yeah 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 and and you know we americanized it uh, a lot you know uh, wearing jeans we used to have great parties i think they still do but we used to really put a lot of money and genuinely money into the staff and having great parties. And, you know, that, that might sound a little bit flippant, but like, you know, uh, I remember being at one of the parties and we had one of these bronking uh, rodeo um, bulls that you hop on. Like some baggage handler who had it out for me fucking put it up to dial 20. <laughs> I, I nearly landed in Santry, you know, but, you know, there's not many companies you can do that to the boss and so on, you know, and uh, mm. the following day have a giggle about it. And, yeah. uh, so we, we, we did kind of Googleize. We didn't know we were doing it, by the way. We did kind of Googleize corporate culture, non-union, all that kind of stuff. But, um, you know, Erlingus was you know, mom's apple pie and... Uh, yeah. You know, like my my mom used to give out to me for Saginaw Fair Lingus, you know, because she grew up with them. And yeah, it was know. the Late Late Show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 That's it. That's a perfect example. They mm. were the Late Late Show. And we were 
Pirate radio. Yeah. That all being said, they like I was in Enda Kenny's office yesterday, and oh, your name dropping. That is, well, the reason why, like, no, no, I wasn't interviewing him yet. No, 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 I'm yeah. joking. I'm joking. Not at all. I, it was a name drop, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and it was totally in. It was. I thought of you today yeah. as I spoke to him about how he went about cutting costs yeah. everywhere yeah. to make yeah. this country get back on its feet, yeah. and I kind of feel like. Enda Kenny's place in history is only going to be understood and the significance of it mm. will be understood in the history books mm. the further we go down the road. Yeah. He also doesn't have a glamorous yeah. head. Yeah. Right? He doesn't look like a hero. Yeah. But he did things for this country sure. that very few could uh, uh, through utterly seeing the woods for the trees. And uh, I think it's a really good point. And uh, I'm not a politician, a f- uh, fan of politicians, but give Ender his due. He did a couple of good things. And one of the good things is he put Michael Noonan in charge of finance mm-hmm. and uh, Brendan Howland. And uh, they did an amazing job. I was at um, an event and Ender was talking. He, he becomes cynical in life about politicians and so on. But he was introducing Mary uh, McAleese. And he started off by saying, it's easy to be T-shocked when your president's Mary McAleese. And he just talked about her for 10 minutes. Like, it was Mexicans at it. There were Spanish at it. They went, wow. You know, and, you know, the, 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 I think the joke in labor was they didn't want uh, Ender to meet too many people because he's such a good people uh, appeal mm. that, that he would get elected. And that was proven. Look. Didn't he, he uh, get four seats in Mayo and there's only four seats in Mayo? Like, know. You know, he, you know. His track record is is something else. I think you're right about history. Yeah, and I do think that. And I think that maybe the place of Ryanair... I don't, I don't think, by the way, he'll be seen as the guy who cut costs. Well, no, no, when no. he described to me what he did, oh. like getting like state cars and just going, you're getting your own car. You know, you know the way history is not kind on people. I think he'll be seen in a different light, but mm. I think the Michael Noonans of the world will get the credit for mm. the cutting of the cost and so. He, I don't know if he came across as a, a Ray McCherry or a, a deep cost cutter, but like you know. Mm. Well, I guess that where I was going with this yeah. was that within it, uh, there's a regret. Like he he admits to regrets things that. It's not all going to be perfect. It's I mean, a politician. Yeah, completely. But your, your, your triumph with this company that, uh, that subsequently leads to you moving on yeah. and creating yeah. more and more budget airlines yeah. across the world. Yeah. Let's call it for what it is. Yeah. It's the place where you make the mistakes that mm. allows you mm. to go ahead and do that. Yeah. What of those mistakes do you remember? And what are the ones that hurt the most when you realized that was I, an error? I, I, I think in aviation, there's no such thing as small mistakes. Like if you screw up on, let's say you do a hedge on, uh, on uh, fuel costs, right? Mm. It can bite you in the ass for the whole year if you did it for 12 months and so on. So the mistakes aren't small. Like you lease an airplane at the wrong price. You have that for the 12-year agreement and so on. Listen, uh, I have a PhD in mistakes and loads of them uh, in the airline industry. <laughs> loads of them in any, <laughs> loads of areas. But um, uh, there was loads, um, you know, kind of ironically, we got a really good offer. 
buy Aer Lingus to buy uh, Ryanair out. And uh, Tony wouldn't accept it. But, you know, I know this sounds funny. I actually think it was a huge mistake because, you know, it was like putting everything on black eight or whatever the right phrases and gambling and so on. And it was a good offer. It wasn't enough for Tony, but it was a good offer. So mm. there's loads of mistakes. I'm, I'm just trying to think. But listen, I was, you should have sent me the, uh, well, an email. Well, I think, it's, I think it's funny that you can't remember them. And I think the I reason, listen, but the reason, them, you, just, you have me sure. on the spot a little bit. No, like, right. Well, here's here's why I relate to it. Yeah, because people ask me all the time, yeah. "What's the worst gig you ever did?" Yeah, yeah. And I swear I'm not alone in this. Yeah. Most comics delete them from their yeah. RAM yeah. because if yeah, yeah. you were to hold them and carry them, yeah, yeah. it hinders you. Yeah. You put them away. You take what you can, but don't actively remember the feeling and the memory and the yeah. regret is actually of no use. Yeah, and I think after setting up six low-cost airlines, you know, I've got a lot, I got more right than I got wrong. So, but I love, like, I was at a gig recently for the uh, past five captains of Tipperary Hurling. They could not tell Claire McNamara about the wins. They could tell him about the fucking getting hammered by Cork, you know. Yeah. So, I'm surprised I can't. Listen, I bucket loads of mistakes. I just okay. can't. I'll, I'll be texting you all night. <laughs> yeah. Well, one thing I did want to talk about, yeah. like aside from, you know, instinct and this journey that you've been on, yeah. is surviving those mistakes and surviving the losses yeah. along the way, yeah. financial and personal. Yeah, because yeah, when sure. you lose your dad and you lose your brother, yeah. there has to be a period of what's the point? Yeah, and, and uh, I, I don't have any kind of um, exclusivity on losing people because we've all lost people. But I have to say, losing Tony was life. Uh, it was hard. It was, you know, uh, my hero and my pal and all that kind of stuff. I actually didn't want to share the grieving with everybody else, you know. Hmm. Uh, in, in what sense? I, I just, he knew so many people. And, okay. Uh, and... Uh, People are very kind in Ireland, and I love it. And you know, uh, sorry for your troubles, and and they mean it. You know, like in Thurlis and, and Mayo and all that, they really mean it. But when your pop is well known, you kind of get your so sorry for your troubles too much, and for too long. And for Cahill to die three months later was just scandalous. Uh, I, I say scandalous with regard to my heart. Uh, he's my big brother, um, and uh, your hero. Yeah, yeah, and, and by the way, I had my corner, you know, when I was a kid, and you never forget people who defend you, you know, and uh, I, I think the hardest part of that, A, was losing one of my best friends, but also, you know, uh, having to uh, watch my mom, and, you know, this is an exclusive to my family, like, you know, any uh, parent in the world should never lose, shouldn't be alive, and, you mm. know, when the child passes away, and so on, so on. I think it just hit as hard, because it like Cahill passed away on the 20th of uh, December and Tony passed away at the beginning of October. That was a big hit for us and a really big hit for us. And, you know, his, his kids weren't too young, but they were young enough. So, you know, that, that teaches you dignity. It teaches you humility. You get these, you, you get these most amazing letters from people and, you know, people coming out of nowhere and giving you a hug and so on. And that's what I love about the Irish. You know, we do, we, we're good at grieving, you mm -hmm. know, yeah, and, and we do Bloody it Bloody well. good funerals. Uh, yeah, yeah. By the way, I was at, um, I was at a funeral recently in Colombia, uh, where I spend half my time. And 
they don't do any of the stuff we do. Like they don't do, do, they, the, do? they don't they go home after church and there's no eulogies and there's no crack and there's no session. There's no session uh, pre or post, you know. So I would, I would hate Jesus that. Jesus Christ, yeah, yeah. I don't know what I'd do with that. Yeah, 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 for sure. So, so listen, I, I'm very cognizant of loads of people I know and uh, we all have uh, uh, that, that booger of a disease called cancer, and, mm. you know, has, has hit loads of people in the world and it's hard. And you're reminded each time of how great they were oh, yeah, and yeah, how, yeah, what yeah, great yeah. lives they lived. Yeah, 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 and you're sure. further reminded by the legacy they left behind mm, mm. in terms of the philanthropy. And yeah, I yeah. do want to get on to this because yeah. it seems like that motivated you towards this being a fundamental part of what your legacy was going to be uh, down the road. You've well, given millions yeah, yeah. left, right and centre. I, I don't mean to be flipping about giving millions. The One Foundation has been a phenomenal success and very proud of it. I think a couple of things. One is, and a good pal of mine would say to is I'm very uncomfortable with having a lot of wealth. Uh, and I'm not too sure why other people wouldn't be. Uh, How uh, do you mean uncomfortable? Uh, uh, one of my favourite sayings, I don't use it enough, is this guy who's a very successful businessman from uh, the north. Uh, I met him once and I said, uh, how's life? He said, I'm staying at the Stubbs Gazette, you know, and this guy was incredible. Yeah. You know, my view is uh, you need one car and you need, you know, I, I just, I'm not 100% sure uh, where it all comes from. It's the best thing I've ever done. It was motivated to a degree by Tony and Cahill. I, I think it was in my DNA anyway. And uh, I think, by the way, it's actually, I hadn't thought of this. From being an Irishman abroad, you realize how lucky you are. And, you know, when you're in Thailand or you're in Vietnam or you're in Colombia, you go, oh, Jesus, you know, uh, you know, some of the levels of poverty. And uh, at the moment in Colombia, uh, they have a huge influx of uh, Venezuelans, which is really hard to see because Mandura, uh, I better not say too much about him, but certainly he's starving his people, which is just horrendous. So I think from being an Irishman abroad, I think we're more generous. The Irish are generous anyway. Yeah. You know, and that obviously would help towards the discomfort with the wealth yeah. and seeing yeah. that those levels of poverty. Most Irish people now wouldn't be driving the posh cars and, you know, wearing the mm. Hermes ties and flashing that they're members of the cake club or whatever. You know, there is exceptions There's to those the that like that. Of course yeah. there is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There. There's Conor McGregor like that. Yeah, 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 for <laughs> sure. Yeah. I really better not say anything about him. <laughs> yeah. I get the crap kicked out of me. Um, but, but to be serious about it, I, I just think, uh, I think the GEA is a great example. You know, uh, when you go to a match, uh, All-Ireland final and so on, you know, you have everybody from Joe Bloggs to whoever the big entrepreneur is from uh, the village and so on. And it's not about what you have. It's about your community and so on. That, that's the nice thing about Ireland. Like in the States, you know, like fucking dust yourself and go and you know, be like Trump and all that shit. Like, you know, Ireland, I, I just think we have a, we're, we're, we're better or, or maybe there's a guilt thing as well, mm. but, but we're better at what we say. Um, displaying our success you're you're uncomfortable getting compliments that's for oh sure. shit yeah yeah yeah, yeah for sure yeah yeah, yeah for is, sure, is yeah. that your is that always been that way yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so like your body language changed completely when <laughs> i brought this up so maybe we should just go to the recruitment side of things because okay. there's people listening to this right now who are running their businesses and thinking if i could find the people 
I'd have yeah. success. Yeah. Uh, what What do you say to those people? Like, what, I mean, you've clearly had a track record of finding people mm. and trusting people. Yeah. And then you've also had the backlash yeah. of people saying that, well, you don't treat people right. Mm. What do you say to all of that? I uh, listen the way Ryanair at times. Listen, let's get one thing right. 130 million people aren't wrong every year. Uh, fine, Ryanair and so on. Recruitment's hard. I've been really lucky in my recruitment. Uh, and, and the people who have been around me have been around for a very long time, which is always a, a good factor and so on. You know, maybe, maybe I learned uh, from Tony. Tony loved yes men. I hate yes men. I love people who say no. So I think you learn from that. So when you say recruitment's yeah. hard... Are you saying it's that hard when, to get right? So when somebody wa- do you mean when somebody walks we, we in the recruited, room? We recruited. We we thought we were the bee's knees, and we recruited this guy from British Airways. Okay. And I made sure I was in Luton for the first couple of weeks. He was there, and it comes in to me on the first day, and uh, you know we really thought we had signed, you know, uh, a superstar. Yeah, Steve Bruce, right? We thought <laughs> we were. Okay, I'm one you. <laughs> okay, well, we really thought we had signed somebody really good, right? Right, and. Uh, he comes into me and he says, uh, who does the photocopying around here, right? And I put my head on my desk and he says, is everything okay? I said, no, 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 it's fine, it's fine. And I rang up the guys, I rang up Michael and Tony, I said, we fucked up here. Said, <laughs> they, said, they said, how? He said, he asked about the photocopy. Ah, don't be so negative. I said, come on. Like, you know, so it's hard, you know, and we, we went after that guy for three or four months and, and, and get him to move from British Airways to Ryanair. And were you proven yeah. correct? Yeah, 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 yeah. He was, he was a and waste of space. <laughs> so, uh, but like, I, I would imagine that you, your instinct and gut is something that you're quite proud of and yeah, believe yeah, in. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why, why did it fail you on this guy? Were you just dazzled by the praise that he'd received? I, I think if you go back to the uh, Newcastle example, if uh, somebody from Man United would like to play for you or Liverpool would like to play for you, you get, you get kind right. of, bit, you, your head gets turned a little bit, you know. So, I mean... That's a big problem nowadays, right? Because yeah, there's yeah. an awful lot of flash and massage of the a, truth. A friend of mine's very senior in Google, and I said, how's business? Like, he's very senior up there. And he said, it's great. He said, I'm just trying to work out which bit is bullshit and which bit is real. Because he said, they, they produce, and I'm not saying Google here, they produce their people to be so good that they present yeah. up the wazoo. Like, you see in them, yeah, yeah. you know, the Olympic sport down there is carrying your laptop, right? And your coffee, right? But, you know, and my offices are down beside it, right? But I say they can present brilliantly. You know, what mm. do they say in tip? All hat and no cattle. Like yeah. I just think you know that that's an issue. Like you know, I just I just spoke to a theater yeah. uh, producer mm. friend of mine mm. who said that um, one of the investors that he meets uh, has has employed you know ex British Army interrogators to yeah. be able to spot bullshit <laughs> uh, from people that are pitching to have their productions uh, funded. Yeah. Can, you didn't spot bullshit in this case. No. But can, are you good at that? I, I, I think I am. My team around me are shit hot at it. Right. And we had this, uh, we had this running joke. Um, remember the campaign years ago against Blair, uh, Blair eyes, demon eyes, and so on. And if somebody came in the office and you know was was just talking shite, you know, you know, you know, <laughs> you know we've all come across it, right? And uh, the, the like, little memo or the little note around the table would go, you know, and demonizes across the table there, you know, because 
Yeah, you get better at it. You get a lot better at it. And so what, on. Are the te- what are the tells that you find most frequent in terms of smelling bullshit from people, things, and business? Like, I, I know that's a, that's a yeah. very broad and open question. Hobbies. I always go into hobbies. By the time somebody gets to me, they've been interviewed a lot. Okay. And they're probably, re- yeah. they're probably really bright lawyers. Are really bright accountants and so okay. on. And I remember saying to a girl, um, uh, some of our, uh, my nieces and nephews, uh, two of them are half Sri Lankan, half uh, Irish, Cahill's, uh, uh two of his kids are uh, half Silanese, half Irish. And I remember this girl saying to me that she'd been in Colombo and uh, Sri Lanka. She had in her hole, like, you know, and, and she put it into hobbies, right? And she went puce and all this kind of stuff. And I just looked at her and I went, you kind of just flew through there, didn't you? You know, and she said, I did. And all that kind of stuff. It, it's gas. And by the way, hobbies, hobby works in a different way is that if you're shitting yourself because you're meeting whoever and uh, I start, or you start getting asked about tip hurling or Kildare football or Liverpool. Yeah. It relaxes you. So mm. that's the little thing I do. Uh, so I just, my comment to people is don't mess on the hobby. Personally, <laughs> yeah. don't mess because, yeah. because it, sh- it shows you the real side of people. You know, I remember people saying to me with CVs, don't put down hobbies. Yeah. Because it's just going to be a curveball that's going to catch you out. But all I thought was, I don't want to come across as an absolutely one-dimensional boring fucker. To you're, my you're completely right. And uh, there's nothing wrong with having one or two hobbies. People think they have to have a hundred of them. But like if somebody says to me, I adore books, if somebody says books or travel, we're away. Yeah. And, you know, we'll give out shit about uh, Harper Lee only writing one book but selling 60 million of them and all this kind of stuff. So I'd just be really careful about the the hobbies and so on. And by the way, we live in a day and age where everything has to be right. You know, mm-hmm. I love people, not just in interviews, but around the world who go, I actually don't know the answer to that. Mm. And And rare to see that. Yeah. And, you know, say, listen, maybe I should know that and apologize and say, you know what, uh, if you give me the job, I'll I'll make sure I know that better. Or, you know, something like that. Or you caught me there or, you know, whatever. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. 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 So, you you know, you've mentioned the millions that take to the air as a result of the companies and yeah, businesses yeah, and yeah. activities that you've been involved yeah. in throughout your life. And I've heard you say before that people are the same oh, the totally, world over. Totally, Do you totally. really believe that? Oh, yeah. Listen, uh, I, I, one of the things, the reasons I love about Colombia is it's like knock back in the uh, 80s and 90s. Uh, people get on the flight who've never flown before. So this is just amazing. They dress up. It's a big occasion for them. They're nervous. They bring their own food. They ask, can they go to the toilet? You know, you just know them a mile away. I took a flight out of Knock years ago. By the way, I love the west of Ireland, so this ain't a slag. But we were on one of our flights, and uh, the lady sitting beside me, was, it was, she was elderly, and it was obviously her first flight, and she was a bit nervous and so on. And she saw the girls chatting away to me, the, uh, the hosties and so on. And she leaned over to me and said, do you know any of the Ryans? And I said, I do. And she said, are they Catholic? And I said, they're, they're serious Catholics. She fell asleep for the rest of the flight. <laughs> you know, so it's going to be a safe airplane at a knock, you know, one senior horn. Is, you know, so you spot these people in my way, and isn't there nothing kind of, one of my kids say, like, actually, my business is philanthropy because 
what you're doing is you're uh, democratizing, whatever the big word is, the ability for people to fly in. That's, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. There you have it. Episode one of The Flying Irishman with me, Jarlath Regan. Massive thanks to Deck Ryan for giving me his time for this episode and for all his help in creating this series. This series is, of course, produced by the Irishman Abroad Podcast Network. And to reach me, it's very easy. Podcast at gmail.com. And you can access all of the back catalogue of hundreds of episodes of Irishman Abroad and all of our other podcasts on patreon.com forward slash irishmanabroad. Subscribe to and leave a review of The Flying Irishman on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Music on this episode is courtesy of Epidemic Sounds. Sound production, editing, and research by Jarlath Regan. Special thanks to Declan Ryan and Ellen James. Flying Irishman is an Irishman Abroad podcast. (laughs) 